Welcome to another episode of Young Women on Fire with your host, Dawn B. We're featuring young women lighting the way to the next level. Welcome to the next episode of Young Women on Fire. So today I decided that I would talk about Title IX regulation. Why? One, there are a lot of young women I know that I will be interviewing in the next few weeks who are looking to play Division One, Two, and Three athletics. And Title IX is really important for them to understand. Two, it is almost June 23rd, which will be the 48th anniversary of the passage of this Title IX regulation. So what is Title IX? Title IX of the Education Amendment Act of 1972, which is its official title, is a federal law. And in one sentence, this law says that no person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefit of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. So who exactly does Title IX apply to? And I don't mean the person, but I mean institution-wise. So Title IX applies to all educational uh, institutions. It doesn't matter if they are public or private, but as long as they receive federal funds, then Title IX does apply to them. Almost all of our private colleges and universities have to abide by Title IX regulation, one because, and one and and the only one, because they receive federal funding through federal financial aid programs that are used by their students. Or apply to athletics states that both men and women should be provided equitable opportunities to participate in sports. So this does not require an institution to offer the identical sport, but just an equal opportunity to play sports. Obviously, colleges and universities do not have a men's football team and a women's football team. There just aren't enough female athletes that are interested in playing football on a collegiate level. Also, how Title IX applies to athletics would be scholarship. It requires that female and male student athletes receive athletic scholarship dollars that are proportional to their participation in sports, and we'll talk about what that means momentarily. The other aspect of Title IX is there are a host of other benefits that female athletes should have that compares to male athletes. What are those things? There are 11 entities that Title IX describes as needing to be equitable um, or have equal treatment. One of those would be the equipment and supplies that our female athletes use, the scheduling of games and practice times as well, travel and allowances for food while our athletes are traveling, any access to tutoring. This is very important because those access to learning centers and and tutoring sessions that a male student athletes have, female student athletes should have that same access to those things. Coaching, of course, locker rooms and practice, um, facilities compared to competitive facilities. Any medical and training facilities and services should be available to our female athletes as well. Housing and dining facilities, publicity and promotion of the athlete and the sport, um, support services, and the recruitment of our student athlete. These are sort of 11 uh, provisions 
and benefits under Title IX that our female athletes are um, are entitled to as well. We will talk about how Title IX does not only apply to athletics. Um, so one of the ideas of compliance or how does an institution comply with Title IX is very important. Institutions have to meet all of the following requirements in order to be in compliance with Title IX. For participation, there are one of three things they need to do. They either need to provide participation activities that are substantially proportionate to that of the male athlete, demonstrate a history and continuing practice of a program expansion for that underrepresented sex, or fully and effectively accommodate the interest and ability of the underrepresented sex. So a student, a uh, institution can pick, pick one of those entities to um, satisfy the participation requirement. Other than that, they need to be in compliance by having female and male athletes receiving athletic scholarship dollars, again, proportional to their participation in sports, and equal treatment of the female and male athlete in the 11 provisions that I mentioned previously. Um, Other aspects of Title IX is sometimes people ask the question, are there any sports that are not included? Are there any exclusions to Title IX? And under Title IX, no sport exclusions or exceptions are made. So every sport that a student female athlete would participate in um, would uh, fall under this umbrella. The basic philosophical underpinning of Title IX is that there cannot be an economical justification for discrimination. So there, it can't be any discrimination based on the economics of the sport. The institution cannot maintain that there is revenue production or other considerations that mandate that certain sports receive better treatment or participation opportunities in one sport. Hmm. I read that and yes, that is a part of Title IX and we'll just leave that part right there. So... Does Title IX mandate that a decrease in opportunity for male athletes be made in order to provide these things for female athletes? Because if you have a daughter that's going to university or you are a young woman that is going to university, sometimes, you know, you have a brother. You have friends that are males and their parents look at it like, well, if you are giving so much to female sports, are you in essence then taking away from male sports? So it does not require a reduction in opportunities for our male student-athletes. That wouldn't be fair. That would not be a fair entity if that were to happen. One of the purposes is to actually create the same opportunity and equality of treatment for both our female and male student-athletes. Obviously, if they were eliminating male sports programs um, in order to accommodate female sports programs, well, that would be a whole host of other issues that uh, Title IX would be up, up against. How do you know that your institution is in compliance with Title IX? And is there somebody at the institution that is responsible for this compliance? Yes, it's a shared responsibility of the entire institution from top-level administration and obviously individual staff members that participate in uh, the sports that which your daughters may participate in as well. So student-athletes who have questions about Uh, specifics as it relates to Title IX may find resources on their campuses in order to address these these concerns. 
It may be the director of athletics. It might be the compliance coordinator that is within your school or university. This is informational um, talk about Title IX. So we're no, we don't want to talk about legal counsel and equal opportunity offices and things of that nature, but that is available too. So how do you know if the institution that you're looking at is in compliance with Title IX? All you need to do is ask them. Um, it has become easier for female athletes to figure these things out. Um, there is an Equity and Athletic Disclosure Act that was passed by Congress. I think that was in 1994. So, you know, you just identify those individuals that I talked about uh, earlier, any of those director of athletics or your compliance officers or coordinators in your schools, and they should be able to tell you if your institution is in compliance um, with Title IX uh, Educational Act. So a lot of things come down to dollars and cents. Um, one of the aspects is, does Title IX require the same amount to be spent on men and women's sports? Well, the answer to that is no. There are differences in cost of equipment or event management as it relates to certain sports. So we cannot look at it like, well, the same amount of money isn't being spent on male sports as it is to female sports and so I'm really upset and is this in violation of Title IX? It actually is not. Let's look at an example of a male football player. They need protective equipment, pads, helmets. There's a bunch of things that go into a, a young man playing uh, football and a female soccer player, for example, or field hockey player, they need shin guards and a mouth guard in order to play. So Title IX does allow for some of that discrepancy in the cost of equipment, as long as both that football player and that soccer player and or field hockey player receive the same quality of equipment. What has gained a lot of traction with Title IX is how it relates to the student athlete. But the bigger question is, does it only relate to the student athlete? Well, although its application is something that we're very comfortable and familiar with, like, yeah, Title IX, equality in women and men's sports, yeah, that's great. But the law actually applies to every aspect of education. It is an educational law. Uh, it includes course offerings. Males cannot be offered classes that females are not offered. It includes counseling and counseling material, financial assistance, our student health and insurance and benefits that students need, housing, um, any kind of physical education and athletics, any athletic programs, sexual discrimination in general, abuse on college campuses. All of this is incorporated under the umbrella of Title IX. Let's talk about a little bit of the fun facts of Title IX, uh, the timeline, if you will. On June 23, 1972, the Title IX of the Education Amendments Act, Act was enacted by Congress and signed into law by one President Richard Nixon. So it prohibited the sex discrimination in any education program or institution, again, that received federal aid. In September of 1973, the University of Virginia fielded a women's basketball, tennis, and field hockey team uh, at that time. So some of our young women are looking to play sports at that university. Other parts of the timeline that I found of interest was in September of 1974, Old Dominion actually became the first college in Virginia 
to offer athletic scholarships for women. So interestingly enough, it's 1974 sounds like such a long time for some of our young women that will be listening to this podcast, but 1974 was not that long ago. Um, Subsequently, the NCAA in 1976, unfortunately, challenged the legality of Title IX. And that kind of put a little bit of a damper on things. But of course, as we know it, uh, Title IX does exist. In 1976, the state of Virginia made a lot of advancement in um, women's athletics. Virginia Tech, specifically, in 1976 to 1977 made their women's basketball team which was previously a club sport into a varsity sport and they competed their first season in 1976 as did swimming volleyball and field hockey began their varsity season in the fall of 1977 at virginia tech also in 1977 the university of virginia and william and mary offered their first athletic scholarships to women if we fast forward to february of 2002 the national wrestling coaches association college gymnastics association and the u.s track coaches association along with several other groups that represented male athletes filed suit, and they alleged that Title IX regulations and policies were unconstitutional. We know now that that was not a thing because college, uh, because Title IX is still here with us. If we fast forward once again to April 4th of 2011, the Department of Education issued policy guidances making clear that Title IX protections against sexual harassment and sexual violence applies to all students, and that would include athletes as well. It addressed athletic departments in particular when it required schools to use the same procedures for sexual complaints involving athletes as it would for the regular student body. Those of our young women who are looking to participate in sports, I found a great website That would give you a lot of information about the history of women's sports, what changed after the enactment of the Title IX regulation. Um, There's a great website called womensportsfoundation.org. You need to check them out as to who they are. The history was so rich in women's sports. They have what is called an equity project. Um, And just that quality of being fair and impartial, some of the aspects of this project really stuck out to me. So I would, I would head over to, you know, www.womensportsfoundation.org and just, you know, peruse around that website just to see what's going on in women's sports. We talked a little about equity versus equality. And I told you that even though sometimes those phrases are interchanged, they do mean uh, a few different things. Um, so with equity, or let's talk about equality first, because then it'll make more sense. With equality, all things are equal. All things are the same. Everyone benefits from the same support. So they get that same support. Is this fair? Not always, because let's take a, a very real life example. I'm five foot two. And if there is a counterpart of mine that is five foot ten, 
and we are trying to pick apples from a tree, for example, and neither of us can reach them. And someone says, okay, hey, I have a two foot block that each of you can stand on so that you can potentially reach these apples. Well, I'm given a two foot block and my five foot 10 counterpart is given a two foot block and they might be able to reach the apples, but guess what? I still can't because I'm five foot two. Are all things equal? Yeah, somebody made things equal by giving us each a two foot block. They gave you a two foot block to make that equal to my two foot block. But is that equitable? Equity is fairness. Everybody gets the support that they need, but it may not be equal support. So maybe that five foot 10 person gets a two foot block, but me being a five foot two person, I might need a four foot block because that would make it more equitable. I would have the same chances as this five foot 10 person. Um, So we need to think about that as far as our young women participating in sports. All things don't have to be equal because that's what we're so used to. Well, you got that and I got that and that's fine because we uh, both got the same things. But technically all things should be equitable where you get what you need and I get what I need. So that support actually might be a little different and that's okay because we're all pulling for each other. So thank you for tuning in to Young Women on Fire where we discussed um, Title IX and how it relates to our young women moving into college athletics. We'll see you next time on Young Women on Fire. Uh, We will start interviewing Um, our young athletes and kind of talk to them. A lot of them have great stories um, about how they got to where they are. And I'm really excited to share that with you. And so are they. So we'll see you next time.